Back with another episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. We are your hosts. I am Jason. And I'm Amanda. And uh, this week, I would like to say it's been a pretty busy week for both of us. It has. Uh, it feels good to be here with you on the weekend because this week kind of sucked uh, work-wise. Right. It was very busy for... It, for both of us. For both of us, yeah. And so I've, I just want to start off on a kind of positive note and say I feel good to be here right now on the weekend with you and not at my job. So <laughs> I like you more than I like my job. Yeah, so I just wanted Thank to get you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> How are you feeling? Um, I like you more than I like my job as well. All right. So <laughs> that's how we're starting things off. <laughs> well, there's a reason I mentioned being glad it's the weekend. It's because I did want to start things off on a positive note before we lower ourselves into that warm bath of cynicism and bitterness where jokes are born. <laughs> I say that because this week I'm starting a series of episodes that I call Won't Someone Think of the Children? Oh, no. Uh, I mean this sarcastically like as clickbait, but also kind of a little bit maybe, huh? Not so clickbait? We'll see. Okay. We'll see. So if we have a superpower like on the show as the Carolina Snowflakes, it's being able to feel out like a vibe of what's going on in the media and in America. Mm. Because we did a bunch of episodes about Chris Chan, and in the middle of them, Kiwi Farms got shut down, and it was on national news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we did uh, several episodes critiquing TikTok before it was like a large news item. Uh, we also talked about how much of a threat the Q people were way before January 6th. And I think we even mentioned the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. We mentioned both of them, and... We also talked about the propensity towards violence in general. Of, mm -hmm. I think we said something like, they're going to do something. Right, at some point. Yeah. And January, that was before that happened. Right. So I, we, we kind of have our fingers on the pulse, as it were. Or we really are psychics. Yeah, or we're psychics. <laughs> and, well, I have to say that my spider sense is tingling again mm -hmm. in the same vein. And this time it's about... The Manosphere. Oh, dun, dun, no. dun. Yeah. So, you know, we, we really have kind of, you know, been able to call things out as they were happening. And I feel like I feel like I feel another one coming on. And it's this Manosphere thing, this, this, this toxic masculinity, bro culture thing that's happening all over. So to get things started, I have to I have a little disclaimer and that's to say I've been thinking a lot this week about my personal political leanings and specifically what I can offer to the lefty liberal cause. And in my opinion, a majority of the work that needs to be done is in the area of marginalized communities. For myself, I work constantly to have more empathy for LGBTQ folks, basically any non-white person and women. Then the step after that is thinking about inter intersectionality of these communities. I really believe that is the most important thing we can be doing to try to make things better. And that is about all I can offer, though, in the sense that I don't belong to any of these communities and I wouldn't want to speak for them and I can't offer direct insight from personal experience into the psychology of their point of view. Mm -hmm. I can, however, offer direct insight from personal experience into the psychology of young white men. Although I don't believe that focusing on young white men to fix the problems of the world is a top priority, there does seem to be some merit to talking about ways we could message better to them, if only because the real crazy ones are a violent threat and some of the rest grow up to be a political threat. 
So that's why I wanted to get that out of the way because I don't think focusing on young white men is the way to solve the world's problems. Yeah. And that that tackling all the, the major issues that we should be focused on as Democrats should be, you know, worrying about the manosphere. But when it comes to talking about marginalized communities, I don't have direct personal experience like I do with young white boys. So what I can offer here is an insight into that. And there should be some merit to that as what I can contribute. And so I just had to get that out of the way because that's how I believe. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's not so much that the manosphere shouldn't be examined or addressed or intervened upon. I think it's just that they've traditionally been the focus of all everything. Exactly. So it's like, do we really want to give them any attention? Exactly. And I do feel that way sometimes. And that's why I wanted to have this discussion before we talked about them is Mm -hmm. because like, I do have the feeling of sometimes like, I don't really want to focus on white dudes to fix the world's problems. That's what we always do. We're just going to pander the same whiny babies who have been causing most of the problems for all, all history. And, like, the solution is to not do that anymore. Right. But... But there is something happening... Exactly. ...in that sludge of whiny man babies. Uh Uh-huh. And as I said in my little writing, like, the real crazy ones are a violent threat, and then the others grow up to be political threats. And I do believe that. So it's not that we can't talk about them. So I have mixed feelings. But I do know that when when we talk about marginalized communities and intersections of them, I have a much harder time articulating and speaking for their psychology. I don't understand it. And obviously I can't because I'm not a member of those communities, but as a white dude, I can speak to these people and what they're, what they're thinking and feeling and offer some insight. And so that's why I wanted to tackle this, this issue. And I thought, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear before I was just like, let's talk about white people. Yeah, let's talk about white men. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to have that tone. So I, 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 Tried to make sure I was clear on that. Okay. Is that cool? Is it? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it's good with me. Yeah. Okay. So I appreciate the disclaimer. Yeah. So it, what I want to talk about in these next few episodes of the show uh, is there are a few people that make up the, what is sometimes called the manosphere. And I have some things to get off my chest about this whole thing. And I hope we can learn some together and we can see more about how these assholes are actually hurting us. To start things off with this week, I'm going to be talking about uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. And spoiler alert, he's even shittier than you think he is. (laughs) (laughs) I picked him to start off with because honestly, he's the most formidable. After that, we're going to go to the other extreme and do Andrew Tate. This will give us a spectrum of these two shitbirds and a scale which we can use when examining further members of this shitty flock. So, uh, to start off, uh, Amanda, what do you know about Jordan <laughs> Peterson? Um, to, well, to be honest, not much. I know who he is, and I know of him, and I know that uh, the neckbeards really love him. Yeah, yeah, they do. He's, got, he's a very, very popular uh, guy in the uh, online man-dude culture phenomenon. I just call them neckbeards. Yeah. They're like the basement-dwelling young white men mm-hmm. who never shave. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, I just wrote a little TLDR of him because uh, we're going to get more into his life story next week. So this is a little TLDR just to get you, get you set up. Too long, didn't read. 
Jordan Peterson, he was born in Alberta, Canada, and went to college. He went to Harvard and a bunch of fancy schools. He read a metric fuck ton of books and met his wife and got married. Then he became a psychologist and an author and got really famous. Then a bunch of people realized he was an asshole. And oh yeah, he's addicted to benzos. That's 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 Jordan Peterson. Huh. Yeah. But uh, that's just my, my interpretation. Maybe we should go to uh, jordanbpeterson.com and go to his about section and see what that says <laughs> about Jordan Peterson. So, uh, oh, no. Dr. Jordan B. Peterson is a clinical psychologist and professor emeritus at the University of Toronto. From 1993 to 1998, he served as his assistant and then associate professor of psychology at Harvard. He spent 15 years writing Maps of Meaning, the Architecture of Belief, released in 1999. Maps of Meaning is a scholarly investigation into the narrative and structure of religious thought, the structure of perception, the regulation of motion, and the motivation for atrocity in the service of ideology. Dr. Peterson also penned the popular global bestsellers Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, and 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos, number one for nonfiction in 2018 in the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, and the Netherlands, Brazil, and Norway, both translated into some 50 languages. The latter book has sold more than 5 million copies. The former, released in mid-2021, 750,000. Hmm. So uh, that's that's on his about page on his website. So he, as you can tell, like that's a, he's a, that's an accomplished guy. I mean, he, he was a professor at Harvard, psychology. Yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, impressive on paper, but it doesn't really tell you much about him. Yeah, it doesn't. So... Uh, I did it just want... tells you like it's like a resume. It just tells you like what he did. Yeah, so that's kind of that's the whole about page on him because it's not going to tell you about his actual life. <laughs> it's not gonna be like, and he's a piece of shit because who... that's kind of yeah, it's up and down. There's there's things about his life that are admirable, and there's things that aren't. He's a complicated guy. He's probably the most complicated guy we've talked about on the show, mm. and I have the most mixed feelings about him. And the anger is the deepest, but the the admiration's the highest. So. It's very interesting. He he's a complicated guy. Well, I liked your TLDR version better. Yeah. Well, there you go. Just to get an idea of how popular he is, though, his YouTube channel has four point five million subscribers with uh, three hundred million views. Wow. Yeah. Uh, his podcast has over a hundred episodes and has attracted about a million per episode. So he's got over fifty five million downloads off his podcast. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> His, Maybe we should be an asshole. Yeah. Or we should just be assholes and we'll get 55,000 downloads yeah. or a million, however many. His home, his home website, jordanbpeterson.com, contains his blog and influential recommended reading list and attracts 25,000 views a day with a total of more than 15, 14 million page hits to date. So that's pretty good. Uh, he has a selfoffering.com and understandmyself.com, his self-improvement and self-understanding systems. They attract... 30,000 users per month and were the focus of two Dr. Oz episodes. Well, that's gross. Yeah. I feel like that tells you everything you need to know. If if you're being hawked by Dr. Oz, Mm -hmm. you're a piece of shit Mm -hmm. scam artist of some sort. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Should kind of clue you in that. I I feel like that's a tell so far. Yeah. Um, here we have his, inst- I've learned more with that little snippet than I've learned in the entire list of all the bullshit he's published yeah, or, yeah. or done. Well, his Insta has 2.6 million. Uh, TikTok has three, 350,000 Facebook, 1.3 million 
Twitter 2.1 million. Um, he's not on, <laughs> he's not on uh, Patreon because he got mad about it because of censorship. So he started his own fake Patreon. So well, we'll how is that. Patreon a censor if he's on YouTube? We'll we'll get into what happened uh, with him and Patreon and okay. uh, in the next week's episode. Okay, I have to wait a whole week. Yeah, I know that's some bullshit. Yeah, it's gonna take a while to go through Jordan. Jordan is like I said. What I need to really say about Jordan Peterson is, is that he is very smart. He's also very verbose and articulate and uh, erudite. I believe is the word he would use. Mm. Um, so this guy is not gonna be a real quick. You're gonna understand him. It's gonna take some getting to know him to understand what's happening here. His scam is much more complicated than the ones a lot of the other people are going to run. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to do him first, because he's this is a big... We're going to be rolling a big boulder up a hill for this guy. But I think we can do it. And on the spectrum, he's on one end. Yeah. On the... Not that kind of spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> The, well, maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, the the manosphere spectrum. Uh huh. Okay. He is. He he's. What's interesting is that in this manosphere, whatever you want to call it, online community, Jordan Peterson is is he didn't come from that. He came from school. He came from the uh, intelligentsia, A- academia, academia, mm-hmm. as you would call it, and an author of a scholarly book about meaning and you know myth and legend and that that's very high level um i guess the word i'm trying to think of what word but academia is the right word like high level uh like executive thought yes cl- very high class type of uh milieu that he was in and that is not really where most of the manosphere type dudes come from no they're your every man yeah so he he's the he's the the if you want to sound smart, you use him mm. um, because his ideology lines a lot up with some of these other types of guys, but he's, he's not going to be nearly as blatant about it. He's not going to, to cross the lines in the same way that they do. And he's going to give a lot of credence to them. And I think that's part of my criticism is that he's like the, uh, the way to make it sound smart enough to slip it into, to a kid's mind and get them to start thinking in these ways. And then they fall down the path after him and they end on the other end of the spectrum at Andrew Tate, where it's very obvious that he's a misogynist fucking piece of shit. Mm, right. And I felt like I wanted to do it in reverse this way, because if you can understand why Jordan Peterson's bad and what he's doing and what he leads to, then the rest of them, it will be super obvious <laughs> right. what they're doing. So Because it's, for them, it's less covert Mm -hmm. and interwoven very Mm -hmm. intrinsically and well into his whatever pitch. Yeah. And if I started off just telling you his life story, I don't think it would come across and make as much sense as, as getting into it this way where I've told you the, the too long TLDR on it. Mm -hmm. And now we're just going to go to hear a couple of things he has to say to see maybe if we can get an idea of, of what's going to be going on. And then when we find out about his life, it will make a lot of sense. Everything will sort of fall into place. So essentially, you might be thinking, he, I mean, he's a professor emeritus at a university. He was taught at Harvard. He wrote a scholarly book. Yeah. How bad could he be? Like, what, what what's the most fucked up things? Like, how bad could he really be? And we're going to start off with the first clip to just uh, get an idea of, like, what we're kind of dealing with. 
So this first clip might not be the worst thing he's ever said, but it's it's definitely indicative of where things are going to go, and it will get you an idea of what this guy is like. You said that a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very dangerous man who has that under voluntary control. How should people become more dangerous? Oh, becoming more articulate is definitely, I would say, that's the primary array of weapons. So, I mean, physical prowess is something, and, and it's not nothing, that physical confidence that comes along with that as well. But the same thing replicated at the level of the ability to communicate and think, that's a way broader field of, of battle and opportunity. So this is one thing that isn't taught well, especially to boys. Um, it's more important to teach it to boys, I would say, because they're more... Uh, skeptical of such of the educational enterprise in general, generally speaking, partly because they're less obedient, partly because they're less agreeable. That's particularly true for disagreeable boys. And agreeable boys get higher grades, independent of their IQ and their and their academic achievement, because they're easier to deal with. So, what do you tell disagreeable boys? There's nothing that makes you more formidable than verbal competence and being able to articulate, be able to think, to marshal your arguments, right? Some battlefield metaphor. Get everything in order. Get all your information straight you know, to marshal your forces. And so, I mean, that's part of the reason that rap artists are so popular, especially among disaffected young men, black and white alike, because they're unbelievably articulate. Right? They have this incredible verbal prowess it's unbelievably attractive, you know, and it's associated with genuine artistic um, and redemptive activity, often focusing on something that's approximately the voice of the underclass, let's say, but a powerful voice, right? And it's interesting to see how many young white guys identify with that. Oh, wow. Okay. So there, that was our first clip of Dr. Peterson. That was something. Yeah, I wanted to know, to start off with, like, what did you, what did you think of that? So basically, he, he couches white man supremacy into some very large speak of psychology. Mm-hmm. Like, You're kind of, yeah. He, he makes it to... very smart sounding mm-hmm. that he's basically saying... Poor little white boys. Kind of. Need special treatment in order to... And then he kept referencing like war and battle and yes. fighting and... That's a big thing. Very That's a big thing. masculine. I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. Masculine. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I want you to remember something is that he make a lot of very general points... I think that's something that he tends to do. He makes very large general points. Mm-hmm. And he will say, as a general point, yeah. uh, keep that in mind. Just okay. try to remember that he does that all, all the time. Okay. So, But this clip, on its face, to me, it seems pretty reasonable. And honestly, some of it is. I, I notice one thing, though. I notice his, him saying that it's more important to teach this opinion to boys. Mm-hmm. His reasoning is because boys are more skeptical of the education system. Now, this may or may not be true, but it bothers me, but I feel that it's unnecessary and it doesn't add anything to the conversation to split men and women in this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, All it does do is 
make categories that he feels he has a handle on and can ascribe motivation to. And I don't like that either. I don't understand why he does that because it doesn't add anything to his general point that being articulate and smart is a good idea. Uh, I find that strange. And, but that's the thing that he likes to do. He, he likes to gender ideas. And I don't know why you would gender the idea of teaching kids to be more articulate unless there's another point you are trying to get across. Right. And that's kind of what you picked up on. Yeah. Is that like, yes, what you're saying may or may not be true and sounds kind of smart. Right. But it's also unnecessary. Yes. I, yes. I just jumped right into the the criticism. But mm-hmm. yes, what he was saying, I actually agree with in terms of teaching children yes. to be more articulate and mm-hmm. how to use their words to support their points and right. their arguments like that. I completely agree with exactly. But I, what I don't agree with is the separating out by whether the child is a boy or a girl. Right. And then he even said white. Exactly. The color of their skin. And then he, and then he talks about rap music and felt a need to put people into groups that he could ascribe motivation to in rap music and say he was surprised that white people or notice that white people like it even more, Mm. which is a weird thing to point out because it doesn't really have anything to do with what he was trying to say. And that's kind of my point about Jordan is that he says, he says the quiet part quiet, but it's, it's there over and over and over again. And once Mm -hmm. you listen to him talk, you start to see it and it's like, why does he, why is he doing this? Cause he's a shit bird. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what we're going to realize by the end of it. Um, But like I said, it's a lot of that sounded so reasonable. It did, and I can I can see how someone would maybe listen to that and think, well, and and, and also it's how he presents it. He's very mm-hmm. he speaks as if he's an authority on yes. the on the subject. He does. He doesn't pose even questions to himself. Exactly. In how he presents, he mm-hmm. just says, "This is how it is, and this is why it is, and this is what happens as a result." Yeah. I am the expert. Because he he's a lecturer. It's what he does. He gives lectures. Yeah. And we're going to get into like he has his his videos are essentially just him lecturing people. Right. And it's weird. It's Well, it's a, I I'm personally a I personally am triggered by People who present themselves to be authority mm-hmm. in a subject, it makes me immediately question what their motivation is and what they actually know, which is why I think I jumped right into the, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 sir. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up. But I can see how someone who's not like me, a skeptic mm-hmm. at heart, would just sort of absorb that and be like, yes, this is truth. Yeah. This is how it is. It's weird because it's like, the, the, the bullshit is hidden underneath so many layers of things that are reasonable. Yeah, no, he's very good at that. He's yeah. very sneaky. He's very sneaky. <laughs> very sneaky. So uh, to really, really illustrate this again, uh, this next clip is a doozy, and it's from a completely different time period. So the one we just listened to was relatively recent. This is from a while back, and it's from a BBC show called uh, Question Time, where like the audience asks questions to the news people, and then they discuss Okay. It's kind of a cool show. I wish we had it here. When's it from? Like, what? Do you know the t- the year, roughly? Yeah. Okay, it wasn't a while back. It was it was 2018. Okay. But it was on the show Question Time, and they're talking about there was a cricket player who experienced some systemic racism in in cricket in the UK, and Jordan does what Jordan do when he's being asked about it. So, I we're gonna see how he responds to this uh, question about systemic racism in cricket in the UK. Things need to be particularized. 
rather than generalized, as, as a general rule, let's say. And so this cricket player was facing racism by his own count. The question is, who, when, what, exactly? Because otherwise it degenerates into something like a discussion of structural racism. And when it becomes abstracted up to that level, first of all, that pits group against group, which I think is entirely counterproductive. And it actually doesn't address the issue. You know, racism is a, is a global and vague term. Sorry, but what was, why, do you why, put why, why, did, why would you possibly do that? What did that yeah. mean? Because I said it was a global and vague no, no, the, term. No, the, the inverted commas is a, it's not a real thing. What did, no, that isn't what it meant. Well, what did it mean then? Explain. It meant that it's indicative, indicative of low-resolution thinking. And these, what, what, and what mean I mean by it? that is we use all these terms frequently in discussions like this that are he, he was containers of, 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 of undifferentiated he content. He was repeatedly called abusive terms directly linked to his ethnicity. By who? By not just one, but repeated members of the Yorkshire Cricket Club. He's okay, had people well, then, contacted then, him. If then it they, walks like a tuck, duck, Jordan, then it they, talks no, like a duck, I'm not it's a duck, it's I, racism. <laughs> I'm not denying his experience. Right. What I asked was exactly who and when, and you just answered that yes. question. So I would say those specific people should be held specifically to account for their actions before any movement up the abstraction hierarchy to a discussion of something like structural racism, which well, I don't think is helpful. Well, he has talked about institutional racism in yeah. cricket. Mm -hmm. He says that's what he's experienced as a term, institutional racism. Right, I know, I know. And I, like I said, I, I believe that abstracting up the problem to that level of analysis does no good because it pits groups against groups. I think it exacerbates the problem big concept of structural racism. It's too imprecise. It doesn't address the issue. Now, that doesn't mean, that does not mean racism does not exist. That is not right, what maybe, I'm saying in the least. Maybe let's do less of the hand movements and let's look at the once. evidence. So, yes, there was. So the evidence was in the future. about... Oh, oh boy. Wow. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> I only did it once. I hate him. Yeah, yeah, that one's, that one's a doozy. That's a... That's a yeah. That one got pretty, pretty, pretty memed. Like that one's, you can find that one pretty easily if you just type dumb shit Jordan Peterson Now said. you said that part of the reason they, the hosts or whoever that was responded the way they did was because he put the word racism in air quotes? Structural racism okay. in air quotes. Actually, I think it was, the, he started moving his hands up during global. I think what he was trying to say was global structural racism. Okay. And I think that's what he was trying to fit, if I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, from watching the video, I think that's what he was trying to put in scare quotes. Mm. Uh, so I can kind of forgive him a little bit for that one. But the second time he did it around, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. And he put <laughs> the scare quotes around racism doesn't exist, which she she did give him the benefit of the doubt. But it's like, let's, let's maybe do less of that. <laughs> she said, can we not use hand gestures? And he says, I only did it once, even after he just did it twice. <laughs> which I noticed. <laughs> Good on her. I like her, whoever yeah. she is. So, but did you notice the first thing he says is that the problem that he has with talking about structural racism is that it's not, it's, it's not particular enough. It's but too it's general. It's not specific enough. It, it's too general. Yeah. And then he said, as a general rule, we shouldn't have general rules. Yeah. And, even then, though, he, and then he said generally. Yeah. Generally. <laughs> even after we just had a whole conversation about how constantly he says things generally and that's his uh -huh. whole deal. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's the first thing that bothered me about that. The next thing is that he pretends like talking about structural racism is bad somehow because it puts groups yeah, against he groups. he was very not interested in having that conversation.
conversation or even really acknowledging that it's a thing. Like yeah. it just it upset him. Like, right. And then they tried to veer it back to that, and he was like, "No, there's no point because all it does is d- dissolve into or devolve into people, mm-hmm. two groups fighting with each other." Right. And for a guy who seems obsessed with hierarchy, competition, and war metaphors, he doesn't usually seem to mind pitting groups against each other. I yeah. find it weird that he does in this situation, and I think it's maybe because in this case, it's in defense of white men. It is. And uh, that's the difference. Yeah, you have to like not pay attention so much to what he's saying and more of like why he's saying it. Exactly. Why is he so so tiptoey around mm-hmm. the 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 world of racism, and why is he so mm-hmm. hesitant to, to call out systemic or systemic right. you know treatment and racism towards this cricket player? And it's weird. Because why his, his defense is that it, I'm a play back on his argument yeah. of like who, what, when, where, and why. I'm, why? Yeah. Why are you responding that way? Uh, yeah, because the, the only the only thing I can figure is that is that it's because it's in uh, he feels like white men are on the being attacked in yeah, this. Yeah, and then he says like I'm not saying that racism isn't real. Yeah. Or doesn't exist. He's like, but. He seems to think it should be on a case by case basis right. as and to talking, whether or not what happened was racism. Right. And 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 he seems to think that talking about it is is institutional somehow pits groups against each other, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't even but know what say, he means by that. But let's say even if he did, I as I pointed out, that's what he does all the time. That's like right. his favorite thing to do. Yeah, he well he said generally. He used it in his own explanation uh-huh. as to why you shouldn't be general. And <laughs> and I like those clips together in combination because you get, you've already gotten the idea that this dude loves to talk about war metaphors and he loves to talk about battle and he loves to talk about hierarchy and he loves to talk about competition. Mm. And it seems weird that someone who loves those things would have much of a problem with pitting groups against each other because that's what that's all based on. Except that the group under attack in that instance would be the white men. Right. So that's something I saw in this and like... I. I I, I think that's a good indication of what you're getting with with this guy. And I thought it was a good place to start before we got into his life so that you can understand, like, why I'm doing this. Why this guy is, is, a, is a real problem and how he's able to captivate specifically young white guys as we went over how popular he is. Yeah. And lead them down a path that ends in, in uh, Dr. Phil show level, Andrew Tate, just smarmy smarmy toxic masculine <laughs> bullshit yeah and uh so that that's that's what we're gonna do next week we're gonna go into his life a little bit more and we're gonna talk about him and we're gonna get some more clips and see some more examples of like what jordan's actually doing and how he's able to do it and i think i'm gonna be able to get some clips that will make you see the other side of things that he's right about and to see like how he's able to weave that in with couch stuff, it. He couches with it. With stuff that he's wrong about. He uses big words and fancy academic mm-hmm. speak and his resume of yeah. writings to basically back up mm-hmm. his racist, mm-hmm. sexist. And he sounds a little bit like Kermit the Frog. He does. Yeah, he which, does kind of sound like which Kermit I, the Frog. Everyone always points out, and he's, he's made memes on himself with Kermit because he does kind of sound like Kermit, and it's pretty funny. Are there any other clips of like ladies calling him out and him having to answer because I yeah. would like to hear more of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there'll be more of that. Okay, great. Yeah. So anyway, I, I really appreciate everybody listening this week. Uh, this is our start of our series on won't some, someone think of the children <laughs> and 
this was our episode about Jordan Peterson. Uh, I think I'm titling it Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, and then in parentheses, even shittier than you think. <laughs> so that's that's what we're gonna do. And next week we'll be going more into him. And then after that, we're gonna we're gonna look at Andrew Tate. So that's the plan for the uh-huh. future. Fine. We're back to some more structured episodes where I where I worked real hard to write some things and get some clips. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope if you like if you like Jordan, I understand, but. I think maybe you are not seeing some of these things and I would wonder what your thoughts would be. So if you have thoughts on Jordan Peterson, please send them to our email, carolinasnowflakes at gmail.com. And uh, love y'all. Thanks for listening. Bye.